Welcome back to For the Win, week two. I've got Jacob here with me. I'm Thomas Johnson. We got some great topics for you, so we're going to get started right away. So, this week in sports, Aaron Judge hits home run 62, breaking the American League record previously held by Roger Maris. There's a lot of controversy behind that for reasons we talked about in the last podcast, but new controversy has come out as this past weekend and the weekend prior in college football games, channels were cutting out of college football games to watch Aaron Judge's at-bats. College football fans were not happy. Any opening thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Thomas. It was a conference record. I think Aaron Judge got a lot of coverage for a conference record. Barry Bonds still has the record of 72 home runs. So the fact that ESPN was just pushing this in my eyes and showing me every Aaron Judge at-bat just for pitchers to throw four balls, I'd say nine out of ten at-bats for Aaron Judge is a little ridiculous. And I mean, I see a lot of controversy on Twitter and all over the media about this. And personally, I think... Look, great for Judge, 62 home runs in a free agent year where he's going to get a monster contract. But do we really need to see all of this just for an American League record? I mean, let's say in the NBA, if the next player in the Eastern Conference breaks the scoring record, do I have to see every time they shoot a ball and break into the NHL playoffs or even the NFL draft? No. So I think that Aaron Judge's coverage was out of hand at one point. What do you think about this? I'm going to be honest, I have to disagree with you. I think it was great for the sport. I mean, last couple weeks of the season, um, and yes, college football fans had a right to be angry, especially if they don't like baseball, where their games were being cut into, potentially highlight moments were being cut into, but Aaron Judge breaking a record, and yes, it is the American League record, but also it's the only clean, non-steroid record that's been hit. So I think it was important, um, especially it's great promotion for the playoffs that are coming up in just a couple weeks. Well, not a couple weeks. This weekend, the wild card round starts this weekend. So I think it was important to promote. And yes, a lot of fans were angry. Yes, a lot, <laughs> a lot of walks. Aaron Judge got a lot of walks. But how mad would you be if you didn't get to see home run 62 even if you're not a baseball fan like that's a historic moment that record stood for 61 years um so i think fans would have been mad if they weren't able to see that and it's just like it wasn't cutting away from the game it was just a split view screen so you could see both yes you get half a screen of a football game and you have to listen to aaron judge's walk four pitch walk and whatever but I think fans would have been more mad overall if they weren't able to watch that home run live. I also think fans were mad because he was a Yankee. And if he was an Angel or an Astro, would he really be getting this much coverage for it? No. And I mean, I saw a lot of Red Sox fans especially were mad in the comment section on Twitter. But personally, as a Phillies fan, I don't really care about an AL record. I hate to say it. I mean, I guess it's part of baseball history, but the record still Barry Bonds. And I'm not looking for a conference record. I'm looking for an MLB record. And I guess it's it's cool. No shame on Aaron Judge. This was an unbelievable mark and probably won't be broken for a long time, even by Aaron Judge, again, because this is like a career season. But it's still a conference record, and they were pushing it in my eyes. And I'm just trying to watch a college football game. I'm not tuning in to a college football game to see Aaron Judge at bat. I would be tuning into a Yankees game to see Aaron Judge bat. 
So I, I just have some issues with it for that reason, and I feel that the media had to publicize this just because he's a Yankee, and from a marketable perspective, does it really impact the sport that much if he wasn't a Yankee? So, I, I mean, I'm just curious to see what it would have been like if he was on a different team, but we could see next season if Aaron Judge does sign with another team, and this is a record that he's in position to break again, will this get as much coverage? That's a really good point. And you're right. I mean, the Yankees are the most marketable team in the Major League Baseball. So it's a great point. We might have not seen that coverage if he wasn't a Yankee. Um, but let's move on to the next topic. Um, the NBA preseason and the NBA G League has started. And Victor uh, Wabonyama, first professional game on United States soil projected to be the number one pick in next year's draft the number two pick Scoot Henderson that's who he was playing against any initial thoughts well I mean just after watching Victor and Scoot play look they, the tank for Victor is gonna be real this season and I know that the Sixers kind of messed it up for the whole NBA by tanking and then Adam Silver got mad but people are saying oh Scoot's a consolation prize he's close to Victor I've never seen a player like Victor he is 7'3". He can play any position on the court. He can shoot the ball from anywhere behind three-point line. And, I mean, Scoot's a great player. No shame on him. But the difference between the two prospects isn't like what we saw with two years ago with Zion and Ja, what we presume to be to Zion being a perennial superstar and Ja being close behind him. But, really, I think Ja's the better player at this moment. If you don't get the first pick and you get the second pick, you're missing out on a player who could potentially take you from the 16th seed to the 7th seed in one season. And and just by seeing Victor play, as LeBron James said in his press conference the other day, he's an alien. I've never seen a player with his ability in my entire life of watching basketball. Yes, I agree. Victor is the consensus number one pick, but I think anyone who gets skewed... I mean, I, I didn't watch that game, but... Um, I think that Scoot with 28 points and 9 assists, I mean, Victor didn't have any assists. So the question is, is he going to be a ball hog? And is he going to take away shots from good players on other teams? Like, obviously, whoever gets the number one uh, draft pick probably isn't going to have many, if any, all-stars on their team. So he might not be taking the ball away from them. But the NBA isn't a one-man show, let's be honest. So the question is, can Victor be a team player. I didn't see that in his first game. I think Scoot with his 28 points and 9 assists, reminiscent of a Trey Young stat line where he can take over the game, but he can also get the 9 assists to help his team score a lot of points. So I think yes, Victor is the better player, but I think anyone who gets Scoot, I don't think they should be too upset about it. Well, Also, if you think about it right now, Victor's not playing with NBA talent. So he has to be the best player on the team, and he has to take over the game. Let's see next year when he's with a whole team of NBA talent, but it only takes one player in the NBA to change your franchise. And the word franchise player is thrown around a lot in the NBA, but I think a franchise player is a player who can go out and you have a chance at winning every game that they play in. Same thing with a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Look, Scoot's a great player, but is he really going to make an impact from day one and take, be able to take a team to the playoffs? Probably not. I mean, it took Trey Young a few years to take the Hawks to the playoffs, but Victor's a guy that seven threes and five blocks in that game, there's only one player in NBA history to do that in a game, and that's Danny Green. I know that's a weird stat, but Victor could potentially average that as a rookie. I mean, that's crazy to think about, but he's an alien. He can do everything on the court, and a team 
have a franchise-altering player just by getting the first pick. And with Scoot, look, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a good player. You talked about the assists. Nine assists in a game is pretty impressive, but I don't see him ele- elevating a team to the playoffs. That's fair point. I, I will have to disagree, but that's a conversation for another time. So in relation to the Victor-Scoot debate, there's the discussion of tanking. Um, teams will want to tank for Victor. Um, and the question is, what's your opinion on tanking? Do you think it should be allowed? If it wasn't allowed, how do you even enforce something like that? Well, the issue with tanking is it takes away from competition in the NBA and then it affects fan revenue. And Adam Silver got mad at the Sixers for doing this. But my theory with tanking is, is a small market team really going to change their team through free agency? No, they have to do it through the draft. So I think that tanking is actually good for the NBA because it creates, in the long term, more competition in the NBA. And you get teams who are in small markets have a better chance at winning a championship because I don't think in next year's free agency, potentially the biggest free agent is going to sign with the Utah Jazz. No, the Utah Jazz have to get the best player through the draft. So I think that tanking in the long term is good, but the tank for Victor might be ridiculous. I mean... You see, a lot of teams this year have already started tanking, in my opinion. Like, the Jazz blew it up, the Spurs have blown it up, and other teams have blown it up. But I'm not against tanking, and I'm not saying I'm pro-tanking, but I don't really see an issue with tanking in the long term. I don't know how you can say that tanking leads to more competition. Because the definition of tanking is to take away competition, maybe in the long run. Maybe in the long in the run, long you're term. right. But I think... If a team tanks every single year, there's always going to be one team. Um, and if that team tanks, then it's ruining competition for that year. And so even though for one team, if they tank in one year, it might lead to better competition in uh, future years, there will be a new team that tanks every year. And I think it just ruins competition every every time, I don't know, the Golden State Warriors are going to play whoever wants to tank for Victor this year. It's not going to be a competitive the game. They're not going to intentionally lose. The players who get out there are going to try to win. But the players who are put out there, you're right. They're put out there for Victor. <laughs> they're put out there to lose to teams like the Golden State Warriors so teams can draft Victor. And it's just like, why is that fun uh, for me to watch? NBA season is 82 games. Why do I want to watch 40 of them? Why do I want to watch 82 games for a team that's intentionally trying to lose? Well, I mean, the goal of the NBA is to win a championship, and you're not going to win a championship being in the middle of the pack every year, so you're going to have to blow it up eventually. I really don't see the point of finishing as the eight seed every year, making the play-in game every year, losing in the first round. And you talked about the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors built their team through the draft, and teams are going to have to build through the draft eventually. So I don't see how you get away with not tanking to not build through the draft because free agents are going to want to sign with the biggest teams and the biggest markets and small markets don't have a shot against those teams so the only way to do it is through the draft and the draft is the biggest way to hit on players you think that if the Sixers stayed the course in 2012 where they were in the middle of the pack finishing as the eight seed they only beat the Chicago Bulls in the first round that year because Derek Rose tore his ACL they're not going to make a championship with that team they have a better shot making the championship building through Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I don't want to get into that topic, and then Tyrese Maxey, they had to get through the draft, and then it led to eventually getting James Harden, and it led to eventually getting other players on the team like Tobias Harris, and that's how you build through the draft, and competition is going to be weak at the NBA at some point for each team, because that's how you get good, and look, 
I don't want to go to a Golden State Warriors versus the Utah Jazz this year. That's going to be a terrible game. But still, the Golden State Warriors are a premier team, and they're still going to get tickets bought for their games because they have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So maybe next year when the Utah Jazz have Victor versus Steph Curry, that's going to buy tickets. Fair point. And uh, just a reminder to all of our listeners that the way the NBA draft works, it's not the team who loses the most games that automatically gets the first pick. There's a draft lottery, so obviously the per- the team that loses the most games, they're most likely to get the first pick, but there's a lottery that goes into it. It's not a, a guarantee. So even a team that tanks might not even get the top pick. So it's, it's a really big risk-reward, and you can tank really, really well and get that first pick. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Long season ahead of us before the NBA draft. Um, and talking about the NBA, NBA expansion. Um, it's been a hot button topic for years ever since, frankly, ever since the Oklahoma City Thunder left uh, Seattle as the Seattle Sonics. And recently, uh, LeBron James in a preseason game in Las Vegas playing the Suns afterwards. And this is this has been his goal for years. He wants to own a Las Vegas expansion team. And the question is. Is right now the time for NBA expansion? Should we add more teams? What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, the Supersonics never should have left Seattle. Seattle is, at the end of the day, a sports town. I mean, it's one of the best sports towns in the country. And for a team to leave there, it never should have left. And I agree with LeBron, actually, about Vegas getting an NBA team. Because you see with the Raiders and the Golden Knights, all of their games are sold out. I mean, it's becoming more of a tourist attraction to go to Vegas for a game. And you see with the Raiders, they have a nightclub in their stadium. And, I mean, it's cool to see, but I think that for the NBA, that's something that they need to do right now because to grow the fan base of the NBA, to put a team in Vegas with the sports betting growing across the country and even across the world, it'd be really good for the NBA just to expand on that because, I mean, I'm not saying that the NBA needs more fans, but just to grow the game globally and put a team in Vegas, it's a tourist attraction. So when people go to Vegas, going to an NBA game is going to help the NBA. And it seems like the Oakland Athletics uh, time in Oakland is over. So maybe uh, Las Vegas will get a baseball team as well. Um, but I I have to disagree. I mean, I'm, from, I'm a Seattle sports fan, uh, worked for the Mariners this past summer, huge Seahawks fan. I want to see the Sonics come back to Seattle. Working at the state, uh, working at the T-Mobile Park this year for the Mariners, I realized how much of a sports town, like you were saying, Seattle is. People get into the game, they show up to the game, and I think it would be a mistake by the NBA to not add an NBA team to Seattle. So it seems like we both agree that NBA expansion needs to happen, but the question is, do we want Vegas? Do we want Seattle first? I say Seattle first. Um, but the question is, how would they do expansion? Because in the NHL, it's an expansion draft where teams can protect a certain amount of players. The other players are left. I haven't read anything with suggestions for an NBA expansion draft. Have you heard of anything? Do you know what? Do you have an idea of what? Uh, how they would do it? Well, I think that if they added an expansion team, they would put the expansion team into the top three of the NBA lottery for the draft, and then I think that they would do the expansion draft where teams could protect four players potentially five players potentially and that's how they would build the team and then they would get money and cap for free agency and stuff but look i agree with you seattle's a sports sound but for the nba what would be better for them 
I think putting a team in Vegas creates more of a fan base for the NBA than putting a team back in Seattle because when you go to Vegas, this it's a tourist attraction. And I mean, look, Seattle's going to have more real fans and they're going to be more committed to the game. But for the NBA to have a team in Vegas is going to help the game more than having a team in Seattle. That's that's a bold claim because I think Vegas, they just got two teams. They just, well, okay, Golden Knights have been there for a little bit, but they just got the Golden Knights and the Raiders. I think fans in Las Vegas are fine with where they're at. Yes, it might be better for the NBA, but I think you have to cater to fans in Seattle who have been begging, I mean, begging for a team ever since the Thunder left. And I think if you try to put a team in Vegas, who knows? Maybe they'll put a team in Vegas and Seattle at the same time. But if you try to put a team in Vegas and not in Seattle, you are going to alienate millions of people in Seattle who have been begging for a basketball team. And it would just seem like a slap in the face if the NBA decides to put a team in another city and take it out on Seattle. Um, but this is uh, back to the tanking conversation. If they do the expansion draft, put the expansion teams in the top three of the NBA lottery, what if, obviously wouldn't happen in this next draft for Victor, but what if a team tanked for the entire year and then two expansion teams got the first two picks? I think that would just be the most ironic, most funny thing ever for NBA team, but that's besides the point. Um, so... Yes, that is all the time we have. Um, I'm here, Thomas Johnson, with Jacob Hare. We had a great conversation, talked about some baseball, talked about some NBA, and that's all the time we have. Thank you.